Backyard Green Films is proud to present this episode of Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Alara and her husband, Rick, travel throughout the land in their travel trailer, which they have nicknamed Bessie, bringing you stories about their travels and the people they meet. They visit farmers, ranchers, and just about anyone who loves putting their hands in the dirt or their feet in stirrups. In those travels, they have gotten to meet some very interesting people. Here's one of those interviews. Hi, this is Alara. Welcome back to our podcast. This podcast is being released on the week of July 4th, which is the date in the United States that we celebrate the big action movies that are always released in theaters across the country. Okay, well, that's just what it seems like sometimes in this day and age. Commercialism and escapism gone wild yet again. July 4th is actually a federal holiday, which commemorates this country's official Declaration of Independence. That is a little piece of paper with lots of meaning. In that document, we said that we no longer recognize the authority of good old King George III of Britain, way back in 1776, our Independence Day here in the States. July 4th, 1776 had a big build-up to that big signing event. Those famous people sat down to do the legal paperwork and put their figurative and literal John Hancocks on the page on that date, but there were quite a few arguments and skirmishes and bloody disagreements that occurred all before that. The thing that we call the Revolutionary War ran from about 1775 to 1783, but some of the things we learned in elementary school and strongly associate with our independence were outside of those years by a bit. The Boston Tea Parties won which happened in 1773, two years before the big war even started. If you remember that one, it involved the Sons of Liberty, Boston, Massachusetts, the Tea Act, and taxation without representation. I think that dumping a whole shipload of tea into the Boston Harbor also may actually have been a precursor to the BP oil spill in terms of the impact on wildlife in the Bay, but we kind of forget that part and all the patriotic symbolism. We as humans have used symbolism and purchasing power to protest as a representation of our feelings before and since. We use commerce to make a point, and we do it because it's effective. Think of the Montgomery bus boycotts, where Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat to a white person. And soon after that, 40,000 bus riders of color refused to get on a bus. According to History.com, that was said to be 75% of the typical passenger list on a daily basis. Tell me how long you could last as a business if 75% of your patrons refused to buy what you had to offer. We found that one out in the last year, didn't we? And in the last year, we've found out which companies are aware of the value of their customers and their customers' opinions. Whether or not their customers stick to those opinions when all the hubbub has died down is another thing, but when financial boycotts start up, businesses either take notice or they pay a price. But this concept works the other way around as well. If there are things that we want to keep going, we have to buy. If we want them to stay around, we have to be willing to back it up. And it doesn't take a big declaration signed by a bunch of people. Little pieces of paper, or the current equivalent of the same, can still have great meaning and still can represent independence. I'm talking about our dollars. We use these little papers or plastic items all the time these days in order to illustrate the things that are important to us. 
Where we spend is the representation of what we feel is important. It's not just a purchase, it sends a message. Here at Backyard Green Films, we've been showing our documentary film, The Holstein Dilemma. And we thank all of you who've been so supportive of our incredibly time-consuming and rather expensive labor of love. And we also appreciate you downloading our agriculture podcast. But it's not just about us. We've had a question asked again and again at our film screenings, and it brings joy to our hearts. The question is this. How can I help small farmers and ranchers and heritage breeds? What can I do? It's a question that I hope all of you are asking yourselves, and I hope that you feel passionately enough about it that you want to back up that feeling with action. Small farmers would very much like to be here in the future, and pretty much all of them that I've spoken with don't want a handout. They want to be independent, and they're willing to work for what they get, but they need your support in order to do that. We've decided to periodically dedicate a podcast to this nitty-gritty part. We're going to list some of the people we've met along the way in our travels who have products for sale. Sometimes that's food, and sometimes that's fiber, and sometimes that's an animal. So we offer you a moment to be part of something important and lasting and meaningful, and we hope it's a recurring part. It's something that doesn't require a march down to the local dock of the bay, and it's not something that'll get you shot. It's actually a pretty easy thing to do. It requires a moment of your time and your signature, or today's equivalent of the same, on a very important piece of paper, a receipt. It might not seem like the Declaration of Independence to you, but it might be for them. We hope you join us. Here are the agriculturalists we're bringing you this month. Silk Tree Farm. Kathy raises heritage breeds such as Spanish goats, red wattle hogs, Narragansett turkeys, Dorking chickens, and black Jersey giants, and also raises Nigerian dwarf goats, freedom rangers, and White Rock and Rhode Island Red Crosses. Even if you're not near Exeter, Rhode Island, and can't get to the farmer's market that she attends in that area, you can get her products from her farm store online. You can order pastured heritage meats and poultry, goat milk soaps, soy wax candles, and farm shares. The candles and soaps make great holiday presents and smell lovely. For more information, visit her website, silktreefarm.com. You can call her at 401-207-9474 or email her at silktreefarm at gmail.com. Y-Bar Hitch. Ken Spann and Val Barnica run the Y-Bar Hitch of Suffolk Punch Horses in Montrose, Colorado. Ken and Val run a horse-drawn carriage service and are available for weddings and other private events. They have beautiful carriages, gorgeously decorated horses, and can set up the team in various configurations, including a six-horse hitch. You can find them on their website at ybarhitch.com or email them at ybarhitch at live.com. They have active social media sites, and their Facebook page has lots of pictures and videos. Their phone is 970-640-3346. If you'd like to see Ken and Val and the team up close, they are frequently on the streets of Gunnison, Colorado, demonstrating their beautiful horses and giving rides down Main Street. We caught them at the Cattleman's Days in Gunnison, 
and at the National Western Stock Show in Denver. We want to thank you for joining us this week, and we hope that you visit some of these agriculturists that we're bringing you each month. Please join us again next week for another adventure. You have been listening to Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Please tune in for more upcoming episodes from our travels. I'm Rick Bowman, your behind-the-scenes editor. Until next time. This has been a presentation of Backyard Green Films Productions, all rights reserved, copyright 2021.